confidence because I've seen the faithfulness of God the still inside the storm the promise of the shore I'm just happy with our entire youth group we have such good young people and children in our church we're thankful for all that God has done our God can do anything Praise God, and he's working a work in our kids. And in the adults also. It's good to see what God is doing in all of your lives. And now, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to see if we can get everybody to come together here for the next few moments, and uh, we're going to have something from the Word of God. We kind of had a, a little lull there, uh, preceded by a tremendous surging of the Holy Ghost that I felt a few moments ago. But I was glad that we were able to give honor to uh, our Bible quizzers. It's worthy of, of taking a few moments and giving honor to them. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody ready? All right. I'm going to try to be ready with you. So I'm going to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 23 and verse 13. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. All right then. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 13. And three of the... Thirty chief went down and came to David in the harvest time under the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. And David was then in a hold. And the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord." And so now for the next few moments, I need you to help me preach. I want to preach on this subject. It's time for your breakthrough. How many believe it's time for your breakthrough? All right, let's lift our voices and our hands and let's give God the praise now. Lord Jesus, we love you. We worship you. You are the living God. There's no one like you, no one besides you, no one before you or behind you. You are great and greatly to be praised. You are the God of the breakthrough. And Lord, I believe it's time for a breakthrough. And I give you praise, Lord. I give you praise and glory and honor. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Would you lift up the name of Jesus for a moment and let's give God praise. He's great, and he's greatly to be praised. Our God is able. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I do give you praise, Lord. I do give you glory and honor. You are the great and mighty God. There's nothing you cannot do. It's time for your breakthrough. God bless you. You may be seated. Give me your undivided attention for a few moments. And we're going to see God do something miraculous here tonight. David was hiding in a cave near Bethlehem. Many believe that this event took place during the time that David was fleeing from Saul. The long-time enemies of the Jews, I think it just, I just did something to my microphone here, so it might have, if it's too loud, you can turn it down a little bit. The long-time enemies of the Jews, the Philistines, had invaded their land and were occupying the town of Bethlehem. It was time of harvest, and there was work to be done. How many knows that when it rains, it pours? I want you to notice something. David was fleeing for his life from King Saul. The Philistines, their enemies, had invaded their land and were occupying Bethlehem at the same time. At the same time, it was harvest time. Sometimes the calling card of a spiritual attack or spiritual warfare is that things tend to happen all at the same time. When you see something happening all at the same time, many times that is a clear sign that you are engaging in spiritual warfare. In that case, it's time to lift up your hands and your head and begin to praise the Lord because you know God's always going to win that. Matter of fact, the battle's already been won. So here was David. He was fleeing for his life. He's hiding in a cave. The Philistines have attacked and are occupying uh, the city of Bethlehem, which was his hometown, and it's harvest season. The devil loves to attack during the season when the harvest is being gathered. This church has said, we're going to see great revival and the enemy says, oh yeah, and he wants to try to stop you. He's going to use every trick in the book, every dirty, rotten trick in the book. He's going to try to divide you if he can. He's going to try to get you to get upset about something. He's going to try to get you to be sick. He's going to fight you with illness. He's going to fight you with all kinds of stuff. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Satan is still defeated. He's still under your feet. You still have power and authority over him. Don't let him get away with it. Give it right back to him twice as hard. Hallelujah. The Bible says, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. 
We need to realize that behind a lot of stuff that happens, uh, there's a spirit behind that. And we need not be ignorant of his devices. Come on, if the devil pulls something on you, learn from it. Don't let him just keep doing it again and again and again and again. Don't be like the dog or the cat that ends up chasing its tail. It'll keep you busy, but you won't go anywhere. It's time to direct your anger where it goes, at the devil. If you get frustrated, don't try on and punch your friend. Who wants to be your friend? If whenever you're frustrated, you're going to punch your friend. There is a little bit of self-preservation that people have, you know. But when things are frustrating and things are happening, you've got to look beyond what can be seen. And you've got to look to the unseen. And you've got to begin to take dominion and take authority and say, now hold on right now. Now in the name of Jesus, oh boy, God's given me authority over you. Come on, don't just waste your time cutting little snippets of leaves off of your problems. Go to the root of the matter and say, I know what's at the root of this. You foul spirit, I come against you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And you name that foul spirit. Sometimes it's the spirit of infirmity. Sometimes it's the spirit of fear. Sometimes it's the spirit of poverty. Sometimes it is different and assorted things, but there's usually a spirit behind it. And you need to say now in the name of Jesus, I take dominion over that spirit. There are some tricks that are just so so old and so dumb that I don't know why we would keep falling for it again and again and again. It's kind of like the hunter that's out in the snow in the forest and he's walking along stalking that deer. And he's taking two or three steps and he stops. And he's taking two or three steps and he stops. And he's out in the middle of the forest and suddenly he comes to a boot track. He goes, huh, somebody else is out here. And then he looks at the boot track and amazingly, it's the same size, same design, same pattern. And a light bulb comes on, ding. I've already been here. I've been walking in a circle. How many times does the devil get to do the same old, same old before we wake up and say, that's it. I've already seen this play. I've already read this book. I know how this ends and I'm gonna take it right now out of your hands. I'm gonna rip it up and I'm gonna throw it in the fire and I'm gonna say, get behind me, Satan. Come on, somebody. I think it's time for a breakthrough. I think it's time for somebody to say, you know what? I'm tired of going around and around and around and around the mulberry bush. I want a breakthrough. Anybody here tonight just sick and tired of being sick? 
I got your attention now. There's been a spirit of infirmity that has attacked our world right now. It's attacked our nation. Thank God in Maine it's been pretty carefully protected from that up to this point. But still, there's been people that have battled with a cold for crying out loud how many weeks and a flu bug that's lasted how many weeks. How many is sick and tired of that? How many knows that there is a spirit of infirmity that needs to be put in his place? I wonder how many of you would stand with me right now if you're battling a spirit of infirmity. That you'd like to stand up with me and put that old boy right where he needs to be, under your feet. Are you ready? Are you ready? Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, right now, we curse the spirit of infirmity. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command it to go right now under our feet. We're tired of this spirit that's been working against the people of God. In the name of Jesus, devil, you have to go now. He is the God of the breakthrough. Jesus Christ is the God of the breakthrough. Bones be healed, muscles be healed, nerves be healed, hearts be healed, lungs be healed, kidneys be healed, liver be healed, pancreas be healed. In the name of Jesus, arthritis, we command you to go in the name of Jesus and every other illness. Father, we know that you paid the price for with your stripes we are healed. My God, I'm done with that devil. I hate his guts. Our God is able to do so much more than what we can even think of or even ask for. Hallelujah. It's not a matter of survival. It's a matter of thriving. Why? If we're just wanting to survive, God can do that. You can keep your head above the water. You can tread the water. But how many's tired of just surviving and you want to thrive? I'm tired of the manna. Thank God for manna, but I'm done with it. I'm tired of the quail. Thank God for the quail, but I'm done with it. I want to live on the promised side. I want to live on the bounty of the harvest of the promised land. He said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Come on, somebody. We have to stick up for ourselves and say, now in the name of Jesus, my God said he wants to give me abundance. The Bible tells us that the Philistines were camped in the valley of Rephaim, which, by the way, is interesting because Rephaim in English means valley of giants. Have you got some giants that's been growling at you? The Philistines were camped, garrisoned in the valley of giants. And I want you to get the word picture that God draws in the Holy Writ. It's harvest time. The enemy has camped jumbo Goliath-sized between David and the city of Bethlehem, 
which is David's boyhood home with all of its familiarity and his love for it. There is a valley of giants in David's life that is separating him from Bethlehem, the house of bread, and the place where the Messiah would come. At Bethlehem, the prophet Samuel had anointed David, so the valley of giants is separating him from the place where he had been anointed. And David finds himself holed up in a cave, a cave called Adullam. God is so smart. Adullam in English means refuge. No matter what you're going through, God is a place of refuge for you. See, we read that and we don't even know why it was named Adullam, but Adullam means refuge, and David is in a, a place of refuge. The valley of the giants is close by. It's harvest time. Saul is seeking his life, but he's found a place of refuge. It's harvest time and there's been no rain and the cisterns are empty. David is not issuing orders to his men to attempt to break through the Philistine army in the Valley of Giants, but he must have said something out loud and some of the men that were standing close by overheard. For he said, oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. You know, breakthroughs don't come to casual people. Breakthroughs come to desperate people. Breakthroughs come to earnest people. And David said, oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem. No water was available in that cave. And David thirsted for the water from the well at Bethlehem that he had used to drink from when he was a, but a boy. He had thirst. He was dry. He was parched. He craved and he longed for the cool water of Bethlehem. And the Bible said, for he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Somebody says, I'm very uncomfortable. You know what? It's a blessing that you are. Because if you are losing and you're comfortable losing, you'll be a loser. Nobody wants to be a loser. If you're losing and you're uncomfortable about it, if you're losing and you're not feeling good about not having that good health or not having that child or not having that situation that you need rectified, if you're uncomfortable about it, that's good because God answers the soul that longs and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. The psalmist said in Psalm 34 and verse 10, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Well, what are you doing? I don't feel so good. Well, what are you doing? I'm going to seek the Lord. But I thought you didn't feel so good. That's why I'm seeking the Lord, dummy. I don't feel very good, and I want to feel good. I don't have to feel good to seek the Lord. God doesn't 
measure his answer by how much I feel or how little I feel. He just wants me to want him and to desire him and to reach out to him. There's been times when I couldn't feel God, but I reached out to God anyhow, and God gave me an answer. Sometimes God makes you do the faith walk where you can't feel him on your right and you can't feel him on your left and you can't feel him in front of you and he can't feel him behind you and it does not mean you're backslidden. It means God is allowing you to stretch your faith. God is allowing you to grow your faith. God is allowing you to become a greater warrior than you've ever been before. And so he lets you walk by faith instead of by feeling. Oh, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come buy, eat, come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich hath he sent empty away. Oh, God, is there anybody here tonight that's hungry for a breakthrough? There were three people who were wanting to please David more than anything else in the world. They loved their leader. And they were close enough to hear his whispered words and loyal enough to take his wish as their command and brave enough to try to do it even though it might cost them their lives. And they traveled 12 miles. They broke through enemy lines and they came back with that precious water. They didn't come back saying, did you see that? I nearly lost my life. They didn't make any story about it, although it would have been interesting to hear what they had done and what they had gone through, but they were silent about it. They just come back and said, uh, sir, would you like to have a drink of this nice, cool water? We got it from the well of Bethlehem. Breakthroughs demand action. They don't just come. They come to the hungry. They come to the bold. They come to those who are willing to try. When breakthroughs come, there's something going on. There's something pressing you. When you need a breakthrough, it's not because everything's going great. There's something that's not going so great when you get a breakthrough. There's something that you must break through. And he's the God of the breakthrough. But I will tell you this about your breakthrough. When your breakthrough comes, it usually comes suddenly. You may be going through something for a while and, and it just seems to linger and linger. But when God gives you that breakthrough, it's instantly. It's immediately. It's a, a, a roaring wind that comes blowing into the upper room. It, it is something that comes suddenly. It's a, it's a breakthrough. It's, it's a child walking in the door and saying, your prodigal is home. It's a sudden cessation of illness that just suddenly comes to an end. And God says, that's it. I'm the God of the breakthrough. Man, oh man, oh man, when you get one of those miracles, it makes everything worth it. You are glad that God gave you that miracle. I still remember a breakthrough that God gave me as a young person. When I was so sick, I thought I was dying. 
And I remember lifting my hands and praying, and I know I've said this before, but it was so amazing. I was deathly ill one moment, and the next moment I was completely well. I've been healed by God many times, but this time it was like bang, and I was instantly well. I was sick as a dog, and one 60-second moment later, I was completely and totally well. I'm telling you that when God gives you a breakthrough, it's not like other things. It comes suddenly. It comes instantly. You may have been going through something for a while, but somebody's got to say, God, I want a breakthrough. I need a breakthrough. I need a breakthrough. God, you're the God of the breakthrough. Hallelujah. When you break through, you suddenly overcome something that's been standing in your way. And suddenly you instantly shoot to the top. You may feel like, God, I've gone down for the third time. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll tell you what you do. You begin to believe with me, God, you're the God of the breakthrough. I must have that breakthrough. And when God gives you that breakthrough, you're going to shoot to the top. You're going to excel. You're going to be able to do what you wanted to be able to do. You're going to be able not only to survive, but to thrive. You're going to be able to do ministry. You're going to be able to love and live and laugh. Come on, I'm talking about a breakthrough. It doesn't just come to anybody. It comes to the hungry. It comes to the thirsty. It comes to those who are not willing to leave until they get their miracle. See, back in the old days, people would come and they would go to the altar and if they needed something, they didn't get up after five minutes and say, well, I guess it's not, tonight's not tonight. I remember going to the church and then we had all night prayer meetings. I remember going to the church where we stayed at the church for three days. Some of you are going, oh, really? Yep, really. And they called a prayer and fasting season. And for three days, we pretty much just stayed at the church. We didn't eat, but we prayed. And God did mighty things. Because sometimes there's just something that's got to get a hold of your heart that says, God, I can't just keep on like this. It's been too long. I want a breakthrough, and I want it now. I'm not leaving until you fill me. I'm not leaving until you heal me. And suddenly, instantly, it's all turned for the better. You see... We don't like it when tough times, we have to go through them sometimes, but I want to remind you that there could be no miraculous jailbreak for Paul and Silas unless they had been put in jail. Daniel received an angelic intervention and a holy revelation only after the prince of Persia had withstood him for 21 days. Jacob could not wrestle with the angel of the Lord and discover Peniel, the face of God, the most exciting experience he had ever had until Esau came after him with 400 men. When Esau came after him with 400 men, it brought on the greatest breakthrough of Jacob's life. Jacob became known as Israel. I know the devil intends for your trouble to destroy you, but God intends for your trouble to make you. God intends to take that trouble and make something wonderful come out of it. 
Joseph could not become Lord over Egypt until his brethren betrayed him and sold him. You know, I can understand it when a when the heathen betrays me. I have a more difficult time when a brother or a sister betrays me. Isn't that right? We'll get over it. Because it's going to happen if it hasn't happened already. What? Yeah, you heard me. You're a follower of Christ, right? Yes? Who betrayed Christ? His, one of his closest friends in the world. Are you better than Christ? No. Did Jesus hang on the cross and say, Ha ha, Judas, you got yours. <laughs> Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's what a Christian does is different from any other religion. Other religions, it might be an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You treat me good, I'll treat you good. But Jesus said, if they take your coat, give them your cloak also. And if they compel you to go a mile, go two. What? Yeah, I know. It's a pain in the Watusi, isn't it? But that's what being a Christian means. You don't just treat people good that treat you good. You treat people good that have treated you like dirt. I'll never forget going up to the loading platform at my job and that man coming out and standing on the dock and he said, you son of a... And he called me everything but... Anything nice. And he said, Blinken, the next time you do this, you're blinking fired. I got really upset about that. I did not quit my job. Everybody listening? I think I have your attention now, don't I? And no, I didn't almost swear. I'm okay. But I needed to get your attention, and I have it now. I didn't walk up and say, well, that'll be the last time you ever get to do that to me. I'll tell you what. You meet me over behind the loading dock. We'll take care of this. You know what I did? I prayed for him. I witnessed to him. I never let it stop me from being nice to him. You know what I did? I got him to come to church. I baptized that sucker in the name of Jesus. You know what I did? When he came out of the water, I laid my hand on his head and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. Took care of that. You know what else I did? I baptized his wife, prayed her through the Holy Ghost, baptized the children, prayed them through the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. We need to recognize that wasn't that man that I need to be angry at. That was the devil that hated me that was speaking to that man. And I recognized that. And I said, you know what? We're going to get that man saved. 
Well, are you still with me tonight? Everybody's kind of setting up now. Listen, wow. I better listen up here. What's going on? We are not ignorant of Satan's devices. We know what the devil's going to try doing. This is not our first rodeo. We've been around this before. You know what? Greater is he. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If God led you to it, he's going to bring you through it. If he brought you up to the situation, he's going to bring you through the situation. If he brought you to the Red Sea, he's going to part the Red Sea. Come on now. You haven't come to a situation that God does not have power over. You haven't come to a situation that God cannot heal. You haven't come to a situation that God cannot deliver. Paul said something, we would not have you ignorant, brethren. That's what he said. I didn't say that. Did he just say that? You might as well smile. It's okay. Just a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. <laughs> We're not going to be ignorant of Satan's devices. If you walk out of here tonight, somebody walks up and offends you. Don't be so stupid that you say, well... If that's the way it's going to be. I ain't going to talk to you anymore ever. You need to understand something. We're in a spiritual warfare. We're wrestling against spiritual wickedness in high places. But we are winning. We've got the upper hand. The devil is losing. We are about to see the greatest influx of souls we've ever seen. Two little kids getting filled with the Holy Ghost. One teenager getting baptized in Jesus' name. Two prodigal children that had been in the church years ago being refilled with the Holy Ghost. Hey, I'm in, I'm in. I understand what's going on. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Who wants a breakthrough? I understand why the devil wants you to be sick. I understand why the devil wants you to be depressed. I understand why the devil wants you to feel isolated because he wants you to miss the greatest revival that's ever been had. And honey, let me tell you something. God doesn't bring revival to perfect churches. Even in the Lord Jesus' personal church that he had on earth, he had Judas as a board member. And he didn't fire him. And some of you would be saying, you compromiser, you compromiser. I can't believe you got somebody doing this or that. And, and you know that they've got this problem or that problem. Get over it. Whoa, 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 whoa. What, what do you mean? What I mean is, 
We are walking into the greatest revival that God has ever given. And just like in the early church, there were people, there were Ananias and Sapphires. There, there was a guy named Judas. There, 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 was, there was people that, that resisted and there was people that went along with the faith. But guess what? Thousands upon thousands of people were baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And I say to you that it doesn't have to be a perfect situation. All we have to know is that God is for us and and if God be for us, who can be against us? Yeah. Hallelujah. That pulpit's pretty hard, but Riley, don't ever hit it like that. It hurts. Hallelujah. Joseph endured the hardest trials of his life after he was sent to Shechem to check on his brethren. You know what? I got to tell you something, folks. I don't know where your values are, but this is where my values are. My most valuable possession is Jesus. My second most valuable possession is my brothers and my sisters. I will take a bullet before I'll let you take one. You are precious. We need to look at each other and say, that is the man that Christ died for. That is the woman that Christ died for. Protect that person. What are you doing? Okay, I'm willing to, to be a little bit undercut if, if it's gonna help somebody else to, to get ahead. That's fine. Why? Because I want a breakthrough. I have the most precious gift, Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost, and the next most precious gift is my brothers and my sisters. Hallelujah. Satan, get out of the way. I'm serving God. Now listen to this. I won't be much longer. Joseph gets sent to Shechem to find his brethren. And he really gets in trouble. But it's interesting that Shechem later became a city of refuge. And in the New Testament, Shechem goes by another name, Sychar, where a certain woman of Samaria has a meeting with the Lord Jesus. The place of Joseph's sorrow became the place of a sudden breakthrough. It became the place of blessing. I'm going to tell somebody, don't run from your problems. Don't run away. Your breakthrough is going to come at the place of testing. That's all right. Amen. Pastor, amen. Preach it, pastor. Hallelujah. Preach it, preach it, preach it. Okay, thank you. I will. Your blessing is going to come at the place of your testing. Don't be tempted to cut and run when things get tough. Don't be tempted to cut and run when things aren't going the way that you think they should go. Dig in in the name of Jesus. Dig in. Set your roots down. Why? Because that old place called Shechem where you just got sold, it's going to become a place of refuge. It's going to become a place where Jacob's well is at Sychar and a woman's going to be healed and she's going to be saved. I close tonight. Brother Joe, come give them at least the appearance I'm getting ready to quit. Just keep walking. 
Oh, is that song? Then along came Joe. Smooth talking Joe, slow walking Joe. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't Joe. It was Jones. But Stevens, how'd you know that? Repent. <laughs> Woo. Fourteen year old John Smith and his two friends decided to go out on the ice at Saint Lake Saint Louis. St. Charles, Missouri. It was January the 19th, 2015. Their families didn't know they were going out on the ice that day. You see, John had spent the night at a classmate's home the night before the accident because they were off that Monday for Martin Luther King Day. John was going through some difficult times. He was adopted from the nation of Guatemala by his adopted parents, Joyce and Brian Smith. He'd been adopted when he was five years old, but now at 14, he was going through a tough time trying to figure out who he was. Really had a struggle with that. Didn't know who he was. So anyway, even though his parents, adopted parents loved him so much, he, he was not real responsive to their love at this time in his life and he stayed the night with a couple buddies and next morning they're bored and they're playing and they decided hey why don't we go sliding on the ice January the 15th 2015 they went out and started playing on the ice and a neighbor looked out the window, oh my God, and he went to the door and he opened it. Kids, get off the ice, it's not safe. They responded like a lot of teenagers. In a minute, last thing they did was they, they all knelt on the ice and they took a selfie, the three of them. then it happened suddenly the ice gave way and all three boys were plunged into the frigid water John's two friends were able to clamber somehow up onto the ice but not John the other two boys were freezing cold but immediately they were able to somehow pulled themselves out of that. And that was a miracle in itself. But John lost his way. It's dark. When you fall through a hole in the ice, it's dark. He lost his way. Didn't take very long for him to not be able to even have the strength to paddle. At 14 years of age, John was submerged in the water. 
for 15 minutes. For 15 minutes, <clears throat> he was under the water and a firefighter, a couple firefighters came and they were there almost instantly, but they helped the other two. John, they, they couldn't find. They put on their gear and they tried. And one of them said, he thought he heard the fire chief say, behind you, behind you. So he, he had a gaff and he's poking in the water. He's in the hole with his one hand on the ice. He's got a gaff and he's poking. I think it was about 25 feet deep, actually. And when his boss said, behind you, he backed up and he hit something. I've got something, he said. It was the 14-year-old child. Interestingly, later when this fireman who was an avowed atheist was back at the station and he said, Chief, if you hadn't told me to look behind me, I wouldn't have found that. And the chief said, I didn't tell you anything. <clears throat> John was dead. He wasn't breathing. Paramedics and doctors performed CPR on him for 43 minutes. Sister Karen's a nurse. She's just shaking her head. <clears throat> it was over. 43 minutes they refused to give up doing chest compressions. But after 43 minutes, John had no pulse and no heartbeat. Dr. Kent Sutterer, the lead emergency room physician at St. Joseph West that day, said he was starting to give up hope. So he brought John's mother, Joyce, into the room to say goodbye. <clears throat> Dr. Sutterer, whose daughter was in the same eighth grade class as John, said, I've never seen anybody survive after being without a pulse for more than 25 minutes. So at 43 minutes there was no hope he was trying to figure out how he was going to explain to John's mom who had just heard the news and she had gotten in her car and raced to the hospital not knowing that her boy had even been out on the ice to find out that he had not only been on the ice but had gone through the ice it was in critical condition she didn't know how bad so she walked into that emergency room. The doctor was about to explain to her that the efforts were futile from this point forward. The staff filed out of the room and John's mother walked in. She stood there and she looked around. It's a true story. And the way she reacted was she started praying loudly. version that I read said these were her words Lord Holy Spirit just give me back my son medical team had left the room 
to give her privacy to grieve. But when that mama screamed, Holy Spirit, give me back my son. Suddenly, after 15 minutes of being submerged in water, after 43 minutes of CPR with no pulse and no heartbeat, John's heart began to beat. Dr. Sutterer and everyone else were absolutely stunned. But they still took the mother aside and said, now that's nice, his heart started beating, but we want you to understand something. This boy will never be the same boy that you said goodbye to. This boy will, if he lives, will be a vegetable. The prognosis is grave. You see, his pupils were just minimally reactive and he was taking occasional gasping type respirations. The amount of time John had been without a pulse combined with his blood's pH level was below the range where the doctor said he had never seen anyone survive. He told her it would just be a matter of hours or a matter of days. But they were able to stabilize him enough to airlift him to Cardinal Glennon, which by the way, is the same hospital that my wife and I walked in and prayed for a little boy named Maverick and God did a miracle. They airlifted him to Cardinal Glennon Children's Medical Center in St. Louis and the pastor of the Smith's Church and five other pastors gathered in John's room to pray. And that's when John's pastor said, I saw a vision of two angels in the room and I saw lights over John's head. And I felt in my spirit that God was putting John's brain back together again. He was actually rewiring it. As soon as pastor saw this vision, John's shoulders came off the bed, his eyes opened. He grabbed the pastor's hand. The pastor would later say, I knew at that point that God was going to pull him through. By the next day, John was giving his friends and family the thumbs up sign, although he remained on a ventilator for eight more days. John remembers nothing of the accident. Pictures of the trio of friends posing on the ice just before they fell through have brought back only bits and pieces of that day. The other teens were not seriously injured. John's parents were told that if the 14 year old survived, he would be a vegetable. But God gave John and his parents a breakthrough. He came home from the hospital with no ill effects, perfectly normal to this very day. And I feel in the Holy Ghost, I know it's time for somebody to get a breakthrough. I know even though it might seem medically impossible, even though it might be improbable or the situation is not something that, that looks like it could be fixed, but I'm telling you that God is ready to give you a breakthrough. 
with the Myron Powell, I told the church this morning, but the Myron Powell came up to me at the board meeting a few days ago, and he said, Brother Stoops, do you remember when you prophesied over this man in our church, and you told him, God is going to bless you 10 times. He said, he has been blessed exactly, financially, 10 times above what he was blessed. I believe tonight that when God lays on the heart of the preacher to preach about something, that God's not just messing around. It's not just a sermon. That God is ready to give. I don't care if you feel it or not. I said God is ready to give you a breakthrough. It doesn't matter if you feel as dry as a wood chip. What matters is, is there somebody here tonight that says, God, I want a breakthrough right now. I need a breakthrough for me. Somebody here tonight, you just told me tonight, I need a breakthrough in my health. Some of you are needing a breakthrough for a child. But are you going to sit there and take it? Or are you going to say now in the name of Jesus, I'm not leaving here tonight without my breakthrough. I want a breakthrough. It's time for a breakthrough. I don't want this going on until Jesus comes. Some friends of mine have been praying for their son and they got a breakthrough unexpectedly, suddenly, the door opened to their home. The young man walked in, took his hat, and threw it on the couch. And these were his words. Your prodigal has come home. And I believe that God is saying to somebody tonight in this building, it's time for your breakthrough. See, Situations can go on so long that you finally begin to lose hope. But I'm here to tell you, don't give up hope. When God does a breakthrough, he does it suddenly. He does it quickly. And suddenly there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house. When God sends a breakthrough, it comes quickly. And so, my message is for somebody tonight that earnestly desires a breakthrough for something in your home could be for a spouse could be for a health issue could be for a lost child but you're desperate tonight and you're saying God I want a breakthrough and I want it right now I'm willing to pray hard I'm willing to press I'm willing oh God I need to see that angel that God has sent to help me. I have an unorthodox angel. I don't know what kind of angel you have, but the, the prophet said, I have an unorthodox angel. I don't know what that even means, unorthodox. What is an orthodox angel? I don't know. I guess the one I have does things differently than other angels. But each one of you have an angel that's gonna go home with you tonight. There's a breakthrough coming your way. I have this confidence because